Hi team, it's that time again where I have a conversation with another kick-ass person in business. Now full disclaimer, this is not an inspirational business podcast, but you might be inspired. These aren't all going to be success stories, but they are all going to be real stories because I'm not here for the enlightened, fluffy, feel-good version of people's journeys. I want the nitty gritty raw versions. If you're a business owner, freelancer, entrepreneur, creator, or someone with a side hustle, I can guarantee you'll be able to relate to something in this episode because this is what it's really like to take a chance and chase a dream. Don't forget to hit subscribe and slide into my DMs on Instagram if you want to chat. I'm Sean, and this is not an inspirational business podcast. Sharon is the founder of MicroChili, a remote full-service bookkeeping agency that empowers new start entrepreneurs and micro businesses to take ownership of their numbers. We dove into Sharon's story, which includes being a single mom at 20, finding her path, immigrating to Australia, two failed business ventures, and over 20 years in corporate. We spoke about how self-doubt will hold you back, the importance of finding a support team, staying in your lane, and what it's like to finally create the business of your dreams. The time absolutely flew by while we were recording this episode, and I feel like we could have kept talking for hours. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm absolutely honored to have you here. Would you like to start off by introducing yourself and telling us what you do? Sure. So firstly, thank you so much for talking to me today. I'm honored to be here. So my name is Sharon and my company is MicroChili Bookkeeping and Advisory. So we do bookkeeping and introduce the overwhelm for all of our clients who are predominantly entrepreneurs and micro businesses. So those that don't often get the finance professionals to be able to help them at an affordable price. So that's what we do. We take the overwhelm away from them. I'm so excited to talk to you. And I've said multiple times on different episodes that hiring a bookkeeper for me was both the best and the most daunting experience. Get it, get it, get it. I think that's where all my clients are. Yeah. And especially for smaller businesses and people just starting out, like you're, you sort of go into it being like, hey, I can, I can do this. Like, yeah, can't be that hard, get it? Yeah. I mean, like as you go through your business journey, you realize that you're kind of just winging it and you're probably going to screw yourself over eventually. Definitely. And do you know what the way that I think part of this thing is, and that's exactly right, that you've got these software platforms now that the way they market their tools are, do you know what? Our software is so easy that it practically does it for you. So now all these entrepreneurs are like, why do I need to hire a professional? Who I might add, we spend years and years training and refining and all the rest of it. If the software was that easy, this qualification would be extinct by now. And so it's not as simple as what they portray it to be. <laughs> it's true. It's very, very true. Let's start right at the beginning. Let's have a look at what your journey has been like. So what were you doing before you started MicroChili? So when we say let's start at the beginning, so there's been a huge journey to get here. That's what happens when you get old. But it's kind of like starting from the very beginning, I definitely did not want to be an accountant. I wasn't really interested in this space. I was more of the creative. I wanted to be a hairdresser. I actually wanted to be a hairdresser when I left school. However, I'm a lefty. And so I can't even cut paper straight, never mind hair. And so that was a very short-lived career. And so that was 16. Coming out of school at 16, I didn't stay on for a degree or anything like that. My mum was an accountant and I was determined I was never going to follow in her footsteps. I didn't want to do what my mum did. And I kind of, I guess, went off the rails a little bit. I had my first baby at 19. I was a single mum at 20 and their dad actually went to prison, which really in hindsight was a 
blessing in disguise because at that point I was like, I really need to focus on what I want to do with my life here. And, you know, how do I get back on track? And my mum and dad had a haulage company. So I guess entrepreneurship was very much in the blood. I knew even at that age, I was unemployable. I hated being told what to do and conforming with the norm. And so my mum was like, we need to do something to kind of, you know, get you back focused. And so they took me on in the accounts department. And it was from there that I was like, oh my God, I actually love this. And, you know, sometimes you can cut your nose off despite your face. My mum does it, so I'm not doing it. So there's no way that I'm going to be like my mum. And um, and I loved it. And so even though I, I obviously didn't stay there and kind of further my career there, what it did was give me that stepping stone to then work in entrepreneurs, like environments as well as corporate environments and kind of progress my career. So with two kids under two and working full time, I decided to get my childhood management accounting bonification, which was a tough, tough gig. But it was during that time that I was like, do you know what? You can do anything. Because part of the thing is, you know, especially being a young single mum, you kind of think that all these things are not for you and they're for the clever people and those that have gone to uni and all the rest of it. And what I discovered on that journey was you don't need to go to uni and come out with a degree to be successful. There are other ways that you can channel that energy and that you can build up your own success because let's face it, success is very different to different people as well. So that was, like I said, a very long-winded way of how I got to where I was. But, you know, furthering up the career ladder, I was like, you become a number, you become a statistic. Nobody really cares. They just want the job done. And I didn't want that. For me, there was way more to life. You know, I loved the connection. I loved the making people feel important, making people feel that what they're doing is making a difference. So it was all those things and two failed businesses that led me really to microchili. And yeah, now, oh my God, life is amazing. Life is so good. There's, oh, there's so much in, in that snippet of your journey, to be fair. First of all, as someone who was raised by a single mom, I just want to like shout out my appreciation for all the solo parents out there, mums and dads, because yeah. I can't even imagine what that journey looks like, but like yeah. unwavering dedication to holding everything together yeah. is, I mean, obviously the most unsung heroes in the starters. What was you sort of, you were like, okay, thanks mum and dad, put me on the right track. Yeah. I need that. Yeah. And then you went and you got all your accreditations and things like that. And then did you jump into, were you in a corporate space after that? Yeah, for sure. I was in a corporate space for... 15, 20 years. And the whole point of me doing, I guess, as well, the accountancy road when I first started out was deep down, I knew I wanted to work for myself. And to have that qualification, everybody needs a bookkeeper and everybody needs an accountant. And it was like, you know, this was one of the things that my mum had always said that it can give you that flexibility to be able to work from home. The only problem with that is that once you get the qualifications, that's great. But then comes the whole, well, I actually don't have the confidence to go out on my own. What if I'm not good enough? What if I can't do this? You don't have anyone to pick their brains and say, well, am I on the right track? Is this what you would do? It kind of all falls on you. I, was, I didn't want that pressure and that responsibility. So as much as this is what I really knew I wanted to do, I stayed and did what everyone else does and stayed in corporate because it was easy. I had a paycheck and that was the other thing. I had two kids that I needed to feed. So we needed that paycheck coming in every single week or months 
obviously back at home, we got paid. So yeah, there was a whole lot to unpack with that, I think. Corporate for a long, long time. And then after a while, I started the franchise back in the UK because I loved what they were about. I loved what they were doing. Um, But again, it was kind of like, comparing myself to where they were, they'd already been on the journey for five years before they franchised out. And of course, looking at them, it was like, my God, they had all this success. They had all these clients. And yet I didn't have that. But all I needed to do was leverage on the back of the brand. But it's still a hard gig. It's, you know, people don't really care about the brand. They care about what you're going to do for them. So I still find that really hard. And then we came to Australia in that kind of interim as well. And I was like, right, well, I'll take that model to Australia. Well, in Australia, that model didn't work. It was kind of a very different market. So I was like, why am I playing for a franchise when I've got nothing to leverage off? I didn't even have the brand to leverage off here because people just didn't care. So I was like, oh my God, this is too hard. I'm going to go back to corporate. So I went back to corporate again. But from there, it was great because it meant that, you know, because Australia is as much as a debit's a debit, a credit's a credit, there were a few anomalies in the way that, you know, things are done here. There's definitely some differences. So that gave me a couple of years of experience here, meant I could get my bus agent qualification as well. Then I decided to do another business of my own, but I kind of went down the road of what everyone thought I should do and did the whole virtual CFO for higher end clients. Now, the issue with that is they weren't the clients I wanted to work with. So So as much as then I'm like, oh, I'm failing in business. These clients are not coming. I didn't want to work with them. So you know all this, and I know people say it's woo-woo, but you put your own blocks on yourself. So so then I was like, oh my God, you know, business is not for me. Everyone else has all of these, you know, successes. And and so I'm going to go back to corporate again. And I literally went back for four weeks and I was like, what the are you doing? You, so I was like, right. This is what I want to do. And, and kind of by some divine intervention, whatever you want to call it, it came up with my business name. I came up with my strategy. I came up with my, you know, what I wanted to do. Then all I needed to do was find the people that were going to help me put it together. And that was the difference with my Chili this time. I didn't do it on my own. I only did what I wanted to do. I didn't listen to anybody else. And here we are. I mean, and this is exactly the purpose of this podcast, right? It's to have these conversations with people. Like there are so many lessons that you've learned throughout that journey that I think are are very, very common. You know, the the safety and security we get from, you know, a regular paycheck very, very often is the thing that holds us stuck in one place because it is terrifying taking the step and going out on your own and trying something new. And then, you know, you have one or two knockbacks and everyone makes it a little bit harder to get back up. And so it's like, you know what, I'm just going to go back. Like they, they pay me every week, every fortnight, every month, like no risk and it's comfy. So yeah, absolutely. I think that's a journey. I mean, I've done it multiple times and I think for a lot of people, it is sort of part of the experience. And then also, I mean, having going through the experience of of starting, you know, two different versions of businesses and then not working out as well. It takes a hard knock to reassess and be like, actually, this is what I want to do. But then the lesson in, you know, not listening to what everyone else says and not creating a business based on everything else. In a world where social media is the be all end all, it's really easy to look at other people and say, well, that's the business model that I have to follow. Correct. But they're not me and I'm not them. So that's never going to work. Didn't realize this really until Microchilia was kind of like, you've got to be you. And if you're not you, nothing else is going to work. 
Absolutely. I also think the the part of that is it's quite daunting because regardless of the industry you're entering, you know, there's other there's always going to be competition, but it's how you look at that competition. Yeah. And in my opinion, everyone is completely different. Therefore, yeah. you know, what you offer as a bookkeeper versus what someone else offers as Correct. a bookkeeper, same service, different style. Correct. Absolutely. And this is what I was talking to. Uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday, funnily enough, and you know how you try and unpack and the first question everyone says to you is, what is your USP? And everyone's like, oh God, what is my USP? What is my USP? And they like really try to, you know, dive deep into this and come up with all this, you know, analytical stuff about, you know, what is different about you? And it's, God, it's you. You are the difference, you know, because we all do the same thing, but you are the difference. And some people will connect with you and some people will connect bookkeeper down the road. So like some people look at my website and they're like, Jesus Christ, that web website is not for me. Do you know what I mean? Great. Then we're not wasting each other's time. Do you know what I mean? So yes. And I love that once you sort of went back to corporate this last time and then went, actually, this is exactly what I want to be doing. I'm such a strong believer in everything happens when it's supposed to happen. And sometimes you just need that one last and then yeah. it gives you a kick up the ass and then yeah. things start falling into place definitely but oh my god because it not have happened quicker than 10 <laughs> years because it's like oh 10 years of my life has been like do I don't maybe I don't need to be an accountant maybe I need to be you know a skincare specialist and it's all these different things it's because I'm no good as an accountant I'm like oh my god stop stop <laughs> I honestly I think there's I think Everyone listening can relate to this in some capacity because this is such, this is the journey. This is the roller coaster of entrepreneurship. Um, yeah. So, how do you manage balancing, you know, or especially in the early days as well, balancing business life and mum life and your personal life? And yeah, how did that work? I made a conscious decision. So, when I really went, went for it, I, I did it differently this time as well in the sense that I knew I was going to stay in corporate for 12 months. So I kind of juggled the whole working full time. The side hustle was kind of an early morning thing. It was getting up at five o'clock and do it. I mean, you know, thank God for COVID as much as, as much as it was hard and all the rest of it, it meant working from home. I had that opportunity because you had an extra two hours in the morning that you could kind of focus on it. And then obviously I had the evening as well with, you know, it's, it's just very different. And I also knew that I gave up alcohol. I knew that, you know, drinking was, and, and it wasn't that it was problematic in the sense that, you know, we all drink too much, you know, an extra glass of wine or whatever. But I find that it was like just slowing me down in terms of headspace, how I felt. I wasn't being productive and all the rest of it. So it was like, right, I'm going to quit alcohol. I'm going to kind of do the whole house kick thing so that I'm at my absolute optimum so that I'm able to do it because like you said I still had two kids um because I've obviously got my younger two now as well I'm married um so there's still the whole family balance as well so it became a case of my project management tools were my life savior for sure so everything was very task driven and it's like right between the hours of five and seven or eight whatever it was it's much chilly then it's full-time work. And then in my lunch hours was kind of, you know, on the call, on the phone to clients. And then five o'clock, I would try and finish full-time work so that I could at least get dinner done and everything else ready for the kids. Then they would go to bed at eight o'clock and then it was focused on Michael Chili then again until maybe 11 o'clock. So 
it was a tough gig. And then, but I knew that the end was in sight. It was a 12 month contract. And, you know, once that 12 month contract was up, that meant I could go all in with Michael Chili. So there was definitely a little bit of pressure in that 12 months, especially as we got to the end. And it was like, you know, we need to be at this point now in order for it to happen, especially being as like my husband had been, when I told him I was starting my own business again, he literally, the color drained from his face because it's like, no, not again. She's, you know, there's going to be no money coming in and, and I'm going to have to provide and oh my God, the pressure. So, so luckily, because he was at home as well and obviously the phone calls were coming in, he's like, oh, you know, maybe this could work. So, so he was really, really good and really supportive and I couldn't have done it without his help. Yeah. I mean, balancing balancing business life and personal life and then throw a couple of kids in there as well. And, and you know, you're in a pandemic and correct. There's a, there's a lot going on. But you did just touch on when you decided that you were going to go with Microchili, that this time you weren't going to do it yourself and you were going to find people to support you. What does that look like? Who did you call up and go, give me a hand? Yeah. So I knew I was very lucky. Something is a team called the Southern Bookkeeper who support bookkeepers when they first start out. So in terms of things like they built my website for me when I started and kind of I remember going to them with what I was going to call it and these were the businesses I was going to support and they just so embraced my story and kind of what I was doing. But also it wasn't just a case of building the website. What they did was we spent a good four weeks before we got to that point building out a marketing plan. And within that marketing plan, it was kind of like, well, who is your niche going to be? What does, you know, language are we going to use? What's your term of voice and all the rest of it. And because I was very clear in my head who I wanted to work with, it was like, well, so bookkeepers and accountants, as much as we tell everyone to do a business plan and, and to document everything, we're not very good at doing it ourselves. So, <laughs> so they actually made me sit down and because they broke it down into bite sized chunks, it was like, right, we'll do this this week. So just write all of this down so that we can kind of do each phase on top of each other. And, and for me, that worked really, really well. So, so they were the first guys that I brought in. And then as time went on and it evolved, it was kind of like, well, clients that I had working with me, they had graphic designers and, and like some of this stuff I looked at, I was God, I love this stuff. So it was like, so then I went to them and I was like, this is my idea. You know what? What can you do to help me? And they came back. So the, the Michael Chili brand now is just perfection. It is literally just like all these clever, talented people who have been with me on the journey and things like social media management. I've got a team that does all of that for me. So I tell them, you know, stuff that's happening. I tell them very little, to be honest. They come to me and say, how's your month been? What have you done? I tell them what I've done and they come back and they've just created like a miracle, honestly. And and I've got a girl that does, um, she does a lot of pitching for me now as well. My PR queen, who I literally couldn't do business without. She gets all of our messaging out and, and kind of she takes my ramblings, like all of my ramblings to you. She would take all of that and document it and come back with this beautiful creation that she's done. So yeah, I honestly couldn't do it without them. They are just my go-tos. They keep me safe. I no longer have to worry. This is what I want to do, but I don't know how to do it. They're like, right, cool. That's what you want to do. That's what we're going to do. And they come back and it's like, oh my God, this is, this is like amazing. So, you know, cause I come up with all these ideas, but I never actually finish them. I never implement them. So I think having a team surrounding me that I'm like, right, this is my idea. They implement it and kind of that's what's been the difference for me this time. A hundred percent. Amazing. When you start off in business, 
getting to that point where you actually ask for help yeah. or seek out people to help you yeah. is always such a big step because, I mean, especially at the beginning, you're sort of hustling, you're doing all the things yeah. and wearing all the hats and everything like that. But there is definitely a point that you go, I can do it, but someone can do it better. For or, sure. you know, my time is actually better spent doing this as opposed yeah. to doing that. And I think yeah. it's such a big step. And I mean, even for myself, it's always been really daunting every time you're sort of like, okay, let's bring someone else in and and you get sort of, you know, it's your baby and it's your business and you put all your time yeah. and energy and blood and sweat and tears. and Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly right. It's kind of, but I think that it's super important that you've got a team around you that I'm very lucky in that the team around me care is such about my business is what I do. I mean, they probably don't, but they never give me the impression that they don't. Do you know what I mean? So, so that makes all the difference as long as I think they care about it as much as I do. I'm okay with that. So yeah, but it is. And exactly like you said, especially if you've got a vision and an idea that when you're going to outsource that this is what you want to happen. If you don't have somebody on the same page as you and they've got different ideas and they want to implement their own ideas and not take your ideas, then it becomes very, very difficult because ultimately this is your business, this is your baby, and this is your vision. I've been very lucky that has not happened to me. They've kind of all come on the journey with me. And again, I think this comes down to knowing who I want to work with. And so only the people that get it come to me, if that makes sense. So, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to touch on any sort of key lessons you've learned along the way of just like, especially if there's any that you've learned sort of the hard way as well. I think they're always quite interesting. Yeah, 100%. And it is my key lessons are don't try and do it all yourself. Honestly, that is one of the key sentimental lessons for me. My zone of genius is numbers and I'm good at them and I'm good at empowering not even just women, but entrepreneurs as a whole how to understand their numbers, how to make them fun and all the rest of it. And by doing all the other stuff that I do not love, I find really stressful. And the problem is then when you find it really stressful, it reflects on the whole business. So instead of coming across that, I love this business, what happens then is business stresses you and the clients that are coming to you feel it. They, they just, you know, feel that vibe. So the biggest, biggest key lesson for me is, well, there's, there's actually two. Firstly, get people in who can help you, who are experts at what they do. But secondly, don't take on other people's opinions. What you should be doing is 100% being a key learning for me. I think sometimes ego can get in the way massively as well. So so like when I started the business before my Cotillion, it was like, right, we're going to go for CFO services. It, everyone was like, why would you want to just work with small clients when you know, you're a management accountant, you've come out of corporate with multi-million dollar businesses. They are the people you should be serving, but they're not who I want to serve. So it's like, be true to what you want and what you want to do, I think is a, is a really valuable lesson. And do not compare yourself to someone else's journey. We're all on our different paths. You don't know what's going on in their life. So just stick, stick to your own lane and just worry about what you're doing. It's said and done. <laughs> it definitely is. But I mean, we touched on comparison before and it, and it is yeah. really hard to to put your blinkers on and, and not, yeah. get, not get trapped at, you know, yeah. looking at what other people are doing. Of course. You've got to do as I 
say, not do as I do. Do you know what I mean? Because every single person on this planet, and I don't care who you are, even those that look like they're really successful have got their own insecurities. We've all got our own insecurities. So it is, it's, it's just knowing how to manage that. Yeah, absolutely. How did you get to the point of, of really knowing the services and the people that you want to work with? And how do you not get distracted by everything else? Oh my God, it's so hard. It, it really is so hard. And I had this conversation yesterday, actually. This time I made a decision and I made a decision. I was only working with these clients. I, now, just for instance, the clients that I work with are low cost, high volume. So, so it takes a lot of clients at that level in order for me to be able to put food on the table is number one. So, so the issue for me then is I can very easily get distracted by a different type of client comes in who all of a sudden wants to pay, pay you a high fee every month because they want you to do the services that they're not the clients I want to work with. So that's time I suggest to everybody. And the issue that I've had with that is you end up, yes, you've got the cash coming in every month, but are you happy? No, because you're working with these clients and you know if that client rings you and you actually feel sick because that client's name's on your phone, the, that they're not the right client for you to be working with. So the good thing about having that experience is that this time it was like, if I get that gut feel that, well, oh, this is, this is going outside of what I said I was going to do. I'm like, I'm not working with them this time. It's a very categoric, no, it's, you know, I can't help you do this. That's the, you're not the clients that we serve. So, but is it easy? Oh my God. No, it is not easy because sometimes it's like that trust coming in would be really helpful and really supportive to us right now. But what? I have to do in those instances is trust in the process that if for that client that I didn't take, I will get 10 that come in who I really want to work with. So it's such an experience based sort of process is that yeah. at the beginning, you do say yes to everybody. Of you're, course. you're trying of course. to prove your point. You're trying to prove to yourself that you can do it. Yeah. And I think everyone, especially service-based people, we all end up working with people that we just wish we did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. And it is. And and do you know what? Again, without my husband's support, I'm very lucky to be in this position that having my husband's support has meant I could do it. But not just that. I spent 12 months in work hating every minute of it, but knowing that it was worth it because it meant that I was able to say no. To people because we still had a wage coming in. We didn't have that pressure that I had to say yes to everyone. No, if I had given up work, that would have been a whole different situation. Maybe I would have had to have said yes to more people, but that was the point of doing it the way that I did it. So yeah, you make a decision. And um, I think the important thing is, is that once you've made that decision, don't get distracted by the, you know, shiny new objects and all the rest of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I also think it's, that's something a lot of people don't talk about is it's okay to to create some safety and security around yourself financially Absolutely. before you dump it. You don't yeah. have to go 100% all or nothing straight off the bat. Absolutely. And see all this advice, you know, oh, you've sometimes got to just trust in the, no, I did this. Oh, you've got to trust in the process. If you don't believe that your business is going to work, um, then it's not going to come to you. And so everyone's like, right, I'm going to give up work and I'm going to, you know, not have my regular wage coming in and this is what I'm going to do. Well, that's lovely, but let's face it, it's not that easy. And then you come from a place of desperation because you desperately need to get that first client in. And again, it changes the whole dynamics of your business. So if you're not ready to give up work, 
do not give up work based on some bloody person saying to you, oh no, I think you should give up work because your situation's very different. You might be a single bum, for instance, that Jesus, if you don't have a wage coming in, you can't feed those kids. So, and because someone tells you, oh, well, you can't believe in your business if you don't give it up. Oh my God, what a load of shit, seriously. So it's true. It's true. I think, I mean, I have a little bit of woo woo with my life. And I Same. think there's an element of it, but Same. you have to be, it's a balance. It's, you yeah. have to be practical. Yeah. You have to make sure that you are, you know, still able to pay your bills and right. do the things that you need to do. We're right. adults. We have responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely. And why put yourself into that pressure? You know, and even if maybe compromise, maybe say, well, I'm going to work three days a week for somebody and do two days on the business. And then you can test your business as you're going along. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, and I think I've spoken about this on another episode. I, a couple of, oh, in December last year, mm. had a moment where I was struggling. So, you know, picked up a part-time contract job and for I was sure. like, I just need this to get me through a couple of months. It gives me the security. Yeah. And it also takes the pressure away so that it meant that I could actually focus on my business yes. instead of yes. being frantic and stressed the whole time. Absolutely. It gave absolutely. me a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, totally agree with that. You've got to do what's right for you. I'm going to take us into our wrap-up questions because time is flying by. I know. We've gone through time the clock and I'm like, where did that 30 minutes just go? Okay, so the first one is, what is a fundamental value that you've woven throughout everything that you do and why is it important to you? Family. Oh, 100% family. It was the core reason that I went on my own. And so part of the strategy when I first started out was to to look at our values and and what that meant for us and the whole integrity and family and and bring it into the business what I said was important to me was 100% important to me so so it was kind of being able to support those entrepreneurs on the same journey that you know they can't always get you in a nine-to-five they've got kids and all the rest of it and so we support them on their journey of where they're at as well so if they email me at 10 o'clock I have no issue with responding to them at 10 o'clock because, you know, some people are like, I don't want to respond at 10 o'clock. They'll think, you know, boundaries and all the rest of it. I get boundaries, but, you know, we're all, we're all doing the hustle. So, yeah, family, 100%. Absolutely. And I think when, when family is a really core value, you also need to accept that it looks different for everybody. You know, it might mean that mum is working at 10 o'clock because she's just had to deal with the kids all evening. Correct. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, yeah. I guess the the next question is very similar to that is, what's your core motivator? Why do you keep showing up? Same. Yeah. <laughs> Same. And not just that, it's, I think after having two failed businesses and being on my third, I am now on a mission to prove I can do it. Um, and I think having, don't get me wrong, the business is nowhere near where I aspire it to be, but we are on the the right path, then it's growing. So I think being able to prove that I can do it is number one. Number two is to out earn my husband. That is, it motivates me every single day, every day. I love, I love a little bit of healthy competition in relationships. My partner and I, everything that we do ends up being, he's Irish. So I don't know if it's just oh, like exactly. that side of oh the world God. kind of thing. Exactly. But... Well, my husband's Scottish, so you can imagine. It's, I had to explain to somebody last week when um, it was actually at the Australian Accounting Awards and like there's winners and 
And then obviously those that have taken part, I'm like, oh, not in my husband's eyes. There's winners, there's losers. My girls are like, if you're not first, you're a loser. Oh my God, stop, stop. I get it. It's our household. It's it's our household. Every Everything is a competition. It doesn't matter what it is. So I appreciate that part of the the motivator is is to out earn. I I get that. I'm there for oh, it. So funny. <laughs> Was there ever a time that you wanted to walk away? Oh yes, a lot. It, yes, when it, you know sometimes it's like hard, and it's like, do you know what? What am I doing? It's you know in order to prove a point that I'm going to do this and all the rest of it. There's you work so many hours and you work so goddamn hard for every what feels like for everybody else while you're first starting out. Yes, lots. But would I? No, because the fear of having to go and work for some other dickhead again. No, I will keep going. I think that's most people's answer is yes, there's always been a time. Have I ever done it? No. And I think that's that's sort of the difference between the people that will make it and will continue to push through is because we have something inside of us that we will keep showing up even when it's hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what is your go-to remedy when you're having an off day? I think to take time out and breathe. I think rather than, you know, if you're having a bad day because you're going to have a bad day, there is no two ways about it. Meditation is key for me to just sit down and quiet the mind because sometimes you can overthink things 100%. And I think once you sit down and let that stuff go and just chill out a little bit, it kind of all works itself out anyway. So 100% meditation. Mm, That's good. What is one of the best pieces of business advice you've ever been given? To stay in your own lane and not compare yourself. 100%. 100%. It's, I think it's very, very easy. And, you know, I'm an accountant at the end of the day. So to understand your numbers, I can't stress the importance and people put their numbers and the bookkeeping and the accounts to the, to the back burner, which just amazes me because it's those numbers that are going to drive your business. So you've got to understand your numbers. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I love, I love that one. Um, <laughs> what is something that's happened in your business recently that you're proud of? Oh, well, it's got to be being a finalist for Bookkeeper of the Year for the Australian Accounting. That is massive. I know. Yeah. It was a very surreal, proud moment. So wow. yes, very, 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 very happy. Congratulations. That is, do you Thank get you. a little a little emblem that you get to put on your website somewhere yeah, saying that you're a finalist? Yes, 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 I do, which I've got to do, by the way. But And, and I think when that kind of makes it all worthwhile, because it's like, do you know what? People are relating to what we do. It was a proud moment. Amazing. What is the big dream? The big dream is to build a, oh, I don't know if I should be putting this out there, but I'm going to put it out there. My big dream is to build a multi-million dollar practice is the big goal. Um, I didn't just want it to be a small business that gave us the lifestyle. I wanted to build a business and I want to employ team. And within that team, I want to bring on apprentices. And the reason that I want to bring on apprentices is because when I left school, I had nothing. And it was only the fact that my finance director, who I first started with, 
took a chance on me at the end of the day. He saw potential in me that I never did. And I think that to be able to, to, to support somebody on their, their journey when they first start out, I don't really care about the qualifications. Qualifications are overrated. You can always train somebody. Um, if somebody's willing, able and keen to learn, then they are who I want to work with. So incredible. I also think it's such an important sort of piece of, I guess, being in business and creating something and becoming successful, whatever successful looks like for you, is right. an ability to give back. And yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, and sometimes yeah. it does just take someone to believe that whatever you're doing, yeah, is that you you deserve yeah. a chance at that, and it Definitely. can it can literally change someone's life. So absolutely. So that's, yes, that's the dream. It's a good one. Write that one down. It's been put out to the universe. (laughs) Never bit of woo-woo. I feel like I'm going to know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway. What is a resource tool or system that you use in your business that you couldn't live without? Oh, it's my project management software. You knew I was going to say it. I actually use a platform called Carbon, which is a project management tool for bookkeepers and accountants. And honestly, it is top-notch. It just gives me everything I need to know every day about where I'm at with my business. So, and, and again, going back to talking about, you know, growing a business, it allows me to analyze the numbers. It allows me to analyze, you know, are the packages that I put together for my clients, are they profitable? Um, because we're all in business to make a profit at the end of the day. So, you know, it, it allows me, um, when I did have team, it allows me to see exactly what they're working on. There's a whole heap of stuff that it does, um, which I could not function without. And as a bonus question, what is a sort of bookkeeping accounting system that you use and or recommend? recommend? So oh, so I've always recommended QuickBooks Online up until now. And the reason that I recommend QuickBooks Online is because for the clients that I work with, it gives them more bang for their back. It offers a lot more functionality at a much cheaper package. From my point of view, zero is way more efficient so it does things much faster much cleaner than what QuickBooks does so but I recommend both of them I think it depends where entrepreneurs are at on their journey but they are the two platforms that we use. What is a fact tip or insight about your industry that people might not know? Let's say a budget and a forecast so probably people don't really know the difference between them maybe so a budget is when you kind of put together what you're expecting to spend in your business for the whole year and and you kind of crack against it. But then your forecast is when you start measuring and forecasting out what your like you do it over a smaller period of time, I guess, and it gets updated on a regular basis. So particularly for a cash flow forecast, you're having, well, this is what I'm expecting to come in. And then it's measured against your actuals as well. So they both do very similar things, but your forecast is updated more regularly than your budget but you would track against the two so but yeah there you go (laughs) equally as important as each other what is one piece of advice that you'd give to someone listening right now who's thinking about starting a business or at the very beginning of their business journey you're always going to be overwhelmed try not to be overwhelmed and if you really want to do it do it don't and and work it work out how you're going to do it just don't just sit there thinking, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Because somehow when you take action to start, the rest just follows and, and kind of fits into place, I guess. So if this is something you want to do. 
do not get to 70 years of age and think, I wish I'd have done it. If it doesn't work, who cares? At least you had the opportunity to try it. It didn't work, whatever. What if you try it and you build your multi-million dollar business? If that's what you want to do. Exactly, exactly. I love that. I do want to just quickly point out, I will be linking all of your details in the description so everyone can find you. But if you get a chance, even if you aren't looking for a bookkeeper, please just go and look at the MicroChili website because I think there's a bit of a misconception that accountants and bookkeepers are, you know, stuffy and quite bland and boring. But if you're looking for a little bit of excitement, a little bit of numbers excitement. I suggest heading over to the website because it's like an explosion of color in your face. Don't read what it says. Just get mesmerized by the colors. I love it. I love it so much. Thank you so much for your time today. It has Thank been you. wonderful talking to you and hearing about your journey. I think there's so much in here that people can relate to and take a little bit of magic away from. Oh. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? My last words are, I can't emphasize this enough. If you want to do it, do it. And and even if you just want somebody to bounce ideas off, please get in touch because honestly, I would be so happy to, you know, just talk through ideas with you and just tell you to do it. So, yeah. Perfect. Like I said, everything will be linked in the description so that you can find out all about Microchili and Sharon and maybe even connect and work with her, help her grow that multi-million dollar agency. Oh, I'd love that. That would be so good. Oh, thank you so much. I have loved chatting to you. <laughs> thank you. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to share your own story or tell us what you think of this one, feel free to head over to Instagram and slide into my DMs. By the way, you're not going to want to miss next week's episode. I know I say this every time, but seriously, my next guest is kick-ass.